welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Amen. Today I want to talk about in our anchor series, Anchored in the Benefits of the New Covenant. Anchored in the benefits of the new covenant. Yes, God, we are in a new covenant. It is, it has been inaugurated and it's still more to be fulfilled. Yet in light of that, will you show up today so that we can appreciate our relationship with you more deeply? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Everybody agree with that? Say it. Amen. Amen. Anchored in the benefits of the new covenant. Um, a few years ago, the church um, got a new annuity company that um, helps with retirement planning. And um, we went to them to get uh, them to work on our staff's retirement packages and to get things all set up for us uh, as a staff. Um, um, but, but, but we went to them specifically uh, for them to work on our retirement stuff. But little did we know that they did more than just retirement. They did, uh, uh, they, they, they did, uh, they do estate planning. They, they do a uh, personal financial planning. They, they, they help with accounting, bill paying, and investments in portfolio development. But, but, but what's interesting is we went to them for just this particular one thing, not realizing that there were more benefits to this relationship than we could ever imagine. Many believers don't recognize that we come to God for fire insurance. In other words, we go to him to go to heaven, but being in a relationship with God through Christ is more than just heaven. Um, because you don't recognize that your relationship with God doesn't start when you die. It starts when you're born again. E Eternal life starts as soon as you place your confidence in the death and resurrection of Christ. And there are so many believers that live our life looking to heaven instead of wanting to bring heaven down to earth. And so today we are going to look into the contours in the context of this text. Why in the world does, does being anchored in the new covenant, what, what, what does that have to do with helping people to remain in the faith and not shrinking back from the faith? as the author of Hebrews is so deeply uh, concerned about because the author of Hebrews wants to make sure that uh, uh, you, 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 you better recognize what you've given up before you give it up. You don't want to be the kingdom to be the one that got away. In other words, you, you, you want to recognize and be able to appreciate and to uh, 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 maximize the kingdom benefits that comes with walking with God through Jesus Christ. So I got one point. And one point only, the new covenant creates a permanent relationship with God. The new covenant, somebody got it, creates a permanent, somebody say permanent, relationship with God. Look, look at somebody and say, God's hard to get rid of. Yeah, yeah. So look at what it says. Now, now I want you all to have, I, I know the teacher used to say, put your thinking caps on. I want you to put your maturity caps on. We're going to take a venture to Center City today. 
And where we're going to go is we're going to peruse and we are going to sample some of the best restaurants in the city in this text. We're going to go to Chima. We're going to go to Del Frisco's and Ruth Christ and Fogo de Chao and Capitol Grill. Amen. Now, when we get over to Chima and Fogo de Chao, you're going to have your little tongs. So when the spit comes by and, it, it, it's, and you cut the meat, you're able to grab it. Today, I am going to be your server. And today, what I want y'all to do is I want you to get it out because I'm coming to your table today. And I'm not coming with a baby bottle today. Listen, I'm not coming with Similac and Infamil today. You're going to have to pick your, put, put your, put your grown folks' pants on today. And you're going to have to start grabbing on and getting from milk to meat. So I need all my mature believers that you're ready to get some steakology in the kingdom. You know, you know, you know, you know some, some bacon wrapped filet mignon. You ain't listening to me today. Some uh, Parmesan crusted uh, 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 pork piece. You, you feel me today. Now that you're hungry, let's eat. Verse 1. Sweaty, because we're going to have to, what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to go to the Old Testament, come back to the New Testament, and then come to your Testament. But it's going to take some time and some patience, and you got to get your spiritual ears more mature. So here we go. Verse 1, it says, now the main point of what is being said is this. So all, all he's been saying from chapters 1 to 8 to 7, but then the latter part of this was, Talking about, remember last week we were talking about the Melchizedekian priesthood. It's funny that Melchizedekian, when I put it into the Word document, the little red squiggly line didn't go under, which means Melchizedekian is actually a word. I just want to get y'all that for free. You know that now Microsoft Word may know the Lord or something. You know what I'm saying? Melchizedekian. We have this kind of high priest who sat down, listen, at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now, y'all didn't say nothing. The reason why is because it's not shocking to you. But to the Hebrew listener, this would have been a superlatively shocking statement. Because Jesus Christ is 100% man and 100% God. Now, we're going to come back to that in a second, but I want you to look at something. Now, he says he's sat down at the right hand of majesty, which he's been painting a picture of Jesus being a high priest going into the holies of holy, letting us know that the throne room of God where he sits at the right hand of God the Father is the holy of holies. Now, this can go one of two ways, or I think it's both ways. Paul in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verse 2 says, uh, he said, I was caught up to the third heaven. Uh, are y'all trekking with me? I just want to make sure. I don't want to bore you. Um, 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 he, the third heaven, meaning that there are levels to heaven. In other words, outer, now, our sky where we look at may be heaven, and then uh, the, the universe where the stars are and then heaven's throne is in another realm beyond that. That, that, that. So heaven is up. And it could be that heaven is set up in three parts. 
outer court, and we'll see it is in a second, inner court, and holies of holies. Now, why, now, 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 why is that strange? Because we have to understand the beauty of what a high priest does. And I, a high priest in the Old Testament acted to expiate. I'm explaining it. Don't look at me crazy. The sins of the nation on an annual day of atonement. So that's one of the roles of the priest. Expiate is dope because Christ later on will do this more deeply, right? Now, what they would do was stay the wrath of God. That's what the priest was supposed to do. But he couldn't extinguish the wrath of God. He just stayed the wrath of God. But when Jesus came and he sat down, because the priest went into the holies of holies once a year with a string tied around his ankle, just in case he fell asleep for not doing something right. Ain't nobody going to get him. They're going to drag him out. But Jesus is different. He built different. He didn't need a string around his waist or ankle. He walked up into the holies of holies permanently. Y'all not hearing me. Jesus got there permanently. He's doing two things. When you stay the wrath of God, uh, 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 you do two things. He's our propitiation and he's our expiation. Okay, let me break it down. Propitiation means he satisfied God's wrath. Well, I'm going to come back to that in a second. Expiation means that he removes the guilt that we have because of our sin. Surely he bore our griefs and our infirmities and he carried away our... Listen, it, it, ain't, it, ain't, it, ain't it good that Jesus didn't just get our sins forgiven, but the feeling of guilt and pain and the fact that we did it, his blood removes the guilt. He didn't just want you to be good. He wanted you to feel good. You ever, you ever heard somebody say they forgive you, but you still feel their wrath? Jesus removes the wrath of God. And what's so dope about this is, is Christ uh, uh, legalized an uh, 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 open-door policy with God. Because the Jews know that God never had an open-door policy. Okay, y'all think I'm funny. Over in 1 Samuel 6, 19, some dudes thought that they could just get up in God's presence. He killed 70 of them. Uzzah, up in 2 Chronicles, um, 2 Samuel chapter uh, 6, verse 3 through 8, um, the Bible says they put it on a new cart, which the priest was supposed to actually be carrying the Ark of the Covenant. But they put it on a new cart. Uh, uh, they're carrying it. And the, 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 the oxen uh, uh, started to, to, to drop it. And, and, and Uzzah thought he was being helpful to the presence of God stretch out his hand and fell dead. So, so, so for somebody to say that not only did he die for our sins, but he sits in the holiest place in the mercy seat. He's sitting on the seat of mercy. That's why it's called the throne of grace. So that you can receive mercy, help me today, in the time of need. It's getting good to me today. But Christ legalized an open-door policy. In other words, God can never be interrupted by you. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. If you grew up in old church, your mama 
and somebody talking, you better not go up there talking. You better wait till they finish and then say, excuse me. Because you will get your head taken off. If you go up to them and interrupt them, see, that's old church where beatings was public in the church. You feel me? But, but what I like about God is God, is God is so present in all of our lives that he can be talking to somebody else and you talk to him and he won't stay, push you away because he can handle all of our conversation at the same time. That's what I love about our great God. But when you talk about Jesus being our propitiation and him being in there permanently, that means he's permanently dealt with the wrath of God. Let me see if I can make it plain. Um, um, you know, I'm, uh, your, your pastor's nerdy. I wanted to know, what is that stuff inside of the fire extinguisher? I, I was, why does it, what, why does it do it and what does it do? This is dope. It's called a fire retardant. And what it does is it smothers the fire and stop it from spreading so that it won't cause anything, any damage. That's what the blood of Christ did to God's wrath. It's a wrath retardant. Oh, I'm by myself. I'm going to go down the street. In other words, Christ's blood being sprayed smothered God's wrath so that you and I wouldn't spend eternity in hell, but it's only smothered for those who are covered in the blood. If, 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 if God, through the gospel, didn't spray the fire extinguisher called the blood of Christ on your life, the wrath won't be satisfied so he's our propitiation and our expiation so what does this look like in the what does it look like in the holies of holies you know he's in the heavenly places this is the nerd coming out in me um what does it look like in the holies of holies i like the way paul says it in first timothy chapter 6 verse 16 he said god will bring this about in his own time he is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light. I like that. In other words, he is in light, that, that blinding light, and, 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 and the light is so blinding that it has a physical presence. Why? Because it's called unapproachable. The light's so thick, that's called the Shekinah glory of God unveiled. Stay with me. I told you we're going in the stake zone. It's, but, 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 what if, but how do you know Jesus has been up there and is up there now and sitting at the right hand of God? Great question. Over in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, and they had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. Even though they're in God's presence, they've never seen God's presence. And what's funny about the throne room of God is God has security, but he don't need it. I'm trying to paint the picture. I'm not good enough of a preacher and teacher to make sense out of this, but please deal with me as I try. So six of them are around and their faces are covered and, 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 and he's sitting on this high and lofty throne. And as he's seated on this high and lofty throne, he's flanked by six seraphim. And they're saying this to him, holy, 
holy. Holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. But how do you know this is Jesus? Because over in John chapter 12, verse 41, he, he, said, he said, he spoke of this when Isaiah spoke of Jesus' glory. Where do we see Jesus' glory? In Isaiah chapter 6. He's the one who they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. In other words, what makes God God makes Jesus God. He is equal in substance. He's grace like God's grace. He is mercy like God's mercy. He's omnipotence like God is omnipotence. He's omnipresent. Like, in other words, Jesus isn't the generic version of God. Oh, let me see if I can make it plain. You ever go to the store and you see Tylenol and then you see Rite Aid. That one don't even have a name. It's just Rite Aid. And then it says uh, acetaphetamine on it. But the name brand is sitting beside the name brand, but it still ain't the name brand. Jesus Christ is the name brand God. He ain't the generic God. And so whatever makes God God, Jesus is. And so when we look at the beauty of this, this is going to continue to point us towards the beauty of what it means to be anchored in him. This is why we need to be anchored in him. Look at verse 2. It says, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle set up by the Lord and not man. Then it says, for every, this is dope, high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary for this priest to also offer something. So every covenant is inaugurated with a sacrifice and a sign. Yeah. Hear me today. Every covenant is inaugurated with a sacrifice and a sign. Are y'all still with me today? The, Ad the Adamic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Palestinian covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the New covenant. All of those had a sign, not all, uh, 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 and, and most had a sacrifice. The Adamic covenant, when Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, God killed the animal and put over them. When you look at the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 15, God went between the animals that were cut. And in the new covenant, we have Jesus. Every covenant has a sign. The sign of the covenant with Noah is a rainbow. The sign of the Abrahamic covenant is circumcision. And the sign of the Mosaic covenant is the Sabbath. The sign of the Davidic covenant is a kingly line. The sign of the new covenant is the Lord's Supper. Are you hearing me? Every covenant has a sign. Can I just give some application real quick? No one is serious about commitment if they don't have a sacrifice and a sign. In your life, if your friend don't have sacrifice and a sign, they're not a serious friend. I'm by myself. In your finances, if you don't have a sacrifice and a sign, you're not serious about finances. In marriage, 
if you don't have sacrifice and a sign, you ain't serious about marriage. And let me explain something to you for free about sacrifice. Sacrifice ain't a sacrifice until you don't want to do it. It only becomes a sacrifice when it's hard for you to do. It's only a sacrifice when your flesh is pulling you a different direction. But despite what your flesh is doing, your spirit says, I know the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why Jesus said, let this cup pass, but not my will, but thy will be done. Ah. Sacrifice and a sign. And Jesus gave us a sacrifice on the cross and a sign of the covenant that we do every week to remind ourselves of our covenant responsibilities. Every Sunday we take communion, we're telling each other, don't give up. Every week we're reminding ourselves that we're ingesting daily the body and blood of Jesus to keep us in our right minds. Y'all not hearing me today. It's very important for us to understand that because he first gave us the sacrifice and the sign, we live in light of his sacrifice and his sign. Verse 4. Y'all still with me? He says, now, if he were on earth, this is dope. This is dope. He wouldn't be a priest. Since those, there are those offering gifts prescribed, prescribed by the law. So, he's not a priest on earth. He's a priest in heaven. And this is very important for us to understand. This is why Jesus always would say, I, 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 I got to go to the Father. The reason why is because he had to go to the eternal location to where the covenant was functioning so that it could emanate from the real holies of holies. Listen to this. Listen to this. He says, these serve, this is so dope, as a copy and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was warned when he <laughs> was about to complete the tabernacle, for God said, be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. This is dope. Moses scene goes up. He goes up to the mountain as usual. First thing he does, take off his sandals. Second thing he does, unveils his face. When he goes there, Yahweh, Jesus, in the middle of the bush, FaceTimes him. <laughs> Bible said he met with God face to face. Y'all thought Apple created FaceTime. 
God was doing FaceTime 3,500 years ago. So, 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 so while he's there, before there was Star Trek and Star Wars, God had a, 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 a holographic blueprints. It's the text. It said it in the text. He showed him blueprints of heaven. Because he said, the pattern that I showed you. So God opens his hand, blueprints come out. And he's looking. Moses is like, wow. He says, this is the outer court of heaven. This is the inner court. And this is the holies of holies. Nobody can go in there but one person. After they build this, nobody is to go back in there. I want you to lay the tabernacle out just like you see it here. Do you understand Moses? He said, yes. And then it went away. But he wrote it all down. Now, the, the one on earth was supposed to be a beacon from the real one in heaven. And so the real one in heaven is where the power always is. The one on earth is where the power is sometimes. Oh, help me today. Yeah, yeah, nah, but, but it's only a copy, you know. Oh, God. I'm trying to make sense of the text. It's like back in the day when we used to do model cars and you go in, they don't do it no more. We used to have, you know, every every store used to have big, bigger toy sections and we get a model car and you you got the snap ones you snap together and you had the ones you glued together. And then you look at it, you're like, man, this looks great. But it's made of plastic. It's not as sturdy. But it's, it looks like the real car, but it's not. That's what this tabernacle was. A subversion of the heavenly reality. And so what's interesting now is we first had the first temple was Eden. Ah. Y'all still tracking with me? The second temple was the altars that Abraham and them would do. Right? The, the next is the tabernacle that Moses did. Ah. Then there's the Solomonic temple. Mm, mm, mm. Then after the Solomonic temple, it was destroyed. They, they, uh, Herod rebuilt it, and we had the second temple. Oh, but then the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But around verse 14, and the Word became flesh, and skeneoed, pitched the tabernacle among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ became the next temple. But then when he died, he was the prototype temple that would create a group of people that would be a temple for his name. I'm trying to preach it the best that I can. And so how do you know that we're the temple in the presence of God on earth? Because when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... The Bible says the Holy Spirit indwells you, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. But not only that, over in chapter 5 of verse uh, 18, it says when you worship him, you get filled with under the Spirit's control. But there's another verse where I want you to understand that we are God's tabernacle on the planet. Jesus says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, ego I me, echyech. Uh, yeah, I am that I am is in your midst. Y'all ain't hearing me today. And so, and so when you recognize 
than when we physically come together. Not visually. When we physically come together, that feeling we got when I first got up to preach, that was in the room, that's him in the midst. When you look up to heaven and worship, and when you close your eyes and you lift your hands, you just became a tabernacle of God's presence. It's different now. Why would you walk away from being God's presence on earth? That's who you are. You don't just worship, you are a worshiper by identity. So, oh, I gotta teach a little more. Is that okay? Um, um, yeah, just a few more things. So we replace those temples. We're the new temple. And the Bible says later that the Father and the Son and the church will be the eternal temple. There will be no physical temple in the new Jerusalem. It will be us. We will be the temple that he fills forever. Oh, that's beautiful preaching. So what's the function of a temple now, though? Number one, a temple represents God's presence. How are we doing as the church representing God's presence? Represent his presence. Not only that, worship God. Next, receives divine direction and instruction. That's what a temple, that's what a temple is for. Also, it's there to experience God's presence and finally to draw people to God. That, that, that's the purpose of the temple, right? But let me see if I can make it even plainer because y'all are looking at me funny. What's the significance of this? That means that God's people is God's embassy on earth. Okay, let me define an embassy. An embassy, I feel it, God, is defined as the headquarters of government officials serving and representing their country in a foreign state. The, the, the church, you are God's embassy to represent God's presence in the earthly state. Although you're in the earthly state, you're functionally a citizen of the eternal state. Oh, y'all not going to hear me today. What does an ambassador do? I'm just reading what they say they do. An ambassador is a high-level diplomat. That sounds highfalutin, don't it? You are a high-level diplomat. Christian, not only that, what's the purpose of an embassy? I love all this. A key purpose of an embassy is to assist citizens of its home country living, working, and traveling overseas. We're supposed to assist other people. But, but the one I like the best is this one. Is an embassy foreign soil? Yes. An embassy is considered foreign soil, meaning that when you, if this is London over here, and that's the embassy over there, when, I, when I'm here, although this is all London, this small plot of land called an embassy, as soon as I step onto it, although the United States is 4,000 miles 
that way, when I step right here, from here to here, I'm on sovereign territory. Functionally, I am in the United States. The United States is over there, and London is right here, but the embassy's right here. So if somebody's tracing you and trying to kill you in London, and you're running for your life, all you got to do is you got to get to the embassy. The enemy might be chasing you, but as soon as you run across that line, you can turn around and look at the enemy and say, I'm on heaven's ground now. I don't know about you, but when I come to church, I feel like I'm coming to sovereign territory. I don't know whether you know it or not, but if you open up your mouth and give him the fruit of your lips, this becomes sovereign territory because his presence is here. Breakthrough is here. Healing is here. Health is here. Life is here. Barrier breakage is here. See, y'all don't know, y'all on sovereign territory. Right now, it may not look like it, but we're in heaven. I wish I had a runner right about then. Because right there, you gotta recognize that this might be 17th and diamond. But when we step in the room, it goes from being 17th and diamond in North Central Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to being heaven. Y'all ain't hearing me today. Ah. I got a little bit more. Y'all sit down. Y'all sit down. You're in heaven's territory. Heaven's territory. You can bring heaven to the shower. You can bring heaven to the car. Y'all ain't hearing me. You better learn how to shift atmospheres. Oh, y'all ain't listening to me. I got some more to preach, but I just feel God right here. You better learn how to bring the embassy to your location. When you're filled with pain, when you're filled with hurt, when you're full of depression, when your heart gets broken, you have the ability to transport the atmosphere that you're in from the location where you live. You might be on concrete. You might be on grass. You might be on some steps. You might be standing in a pool. But when you shift the atmosphere and you open your mouth and lift up his name, that atmosphere changes. And when that atmosphere changes, what happens? Heaven is your location. So why should we, why should we encourage? Amen. Amen. Bless his name. So why should we, why should this be an encouragement to us? Why? Without remembering God's biblical purpose in our lives, we create substandard views of purpose. How do I know that? Because in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, it said, he has made everything appropriate in its time 
he has also put eternity in their hearts, but no one can discover the work God has done from the beginning. In other words, in every human being's heart, even though we're fallen, God has put a sense of the fact that eternity exists. And when God isn't plugged into that spot, you replace it with something else. And so, but, but, and so, but for the believer, our purpose is plugged in when we trust Jesus by faith, right? So, 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 so what, well, what does that mean? What, what is our purpose? We said it last week, to provide moral structure for the world and culture, to reveal sinfulness in our world, to proclaim the gospel, to display the holiness of God. We're almost done. To show the distinctiveness of the church, the new humanity, and to make disciples of all nations. So what does it take, Pastor? It takes faith, reminders, and focus. Let me say that again. It takes faith, it takes reminders, and it takes focus. It takes faith because faith is what connects you to the object of your faith, God. Folk, uh, uh, reminders because we forget we forget who we are regularly. Somebody beep at us, we forget who we are in the car. Somebody cut you in line. You forget your identity. Or when somebody make you mad enough, you tell them what you would have did before you were saved. That's really a way for you to kind of low-key punk them. You know what I'm saying? When I was with the ball back in the day, man, about 10 years, ball. I was a problem. I, I was a problem. <laughs> That's dry bullying, family. And it takes focus, right? But I like this part, and I'm out of your way. This verse is so beautiful. This is what you and I have. Verse 6 sums up the rest of the chapter. But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry. This is dope. And to that degree, he is mediator of a better covenant. It's banging. Then it says, which has been established on better promises. So, there were promises, but there are better ones now. Now, the question is, what are some of those better promises? A better promise is permanent access to God. Another good promise that's good is nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I love this. It's getting good to me again. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. Not only that, we get a new heart. We're going to get a new body. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We get permanent forgiveness of sin. All things work together for the good. That's a promise of those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. And last but not least, we spend eternity with God. I don't know about you, but those are magnificent and better promises. How many of you are going to hold on to his promises and not just be on the premises. My hope for the believer is that you would see the insanity of walking away from Jesus Christ. What's worth it? 
nothing's worth walking away from Jesus. And walking away isn't always going out in the world. It can be coming here and still functioning in a non-growing state. But our passion, I like the way Paul says, we, we're encouraged of better things for you. And the better thing for us is we have a king, a priest, a prophet, a God who sits in the holies of holies permanently. And because he's there permanently, it's a sign that our relationship with God is permanent. Hold on to God. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you. We love you.